Welcome to Run, Build, Grow, the podcast that laces up its running shoes and dives into the heartbeat of the communal spirit of running. I'm your host, Andrew Ware, and I'm thrilled to take you on this exhilarating journey where we explore stories that go beyond the pavement. I'd like to invite you to support the podcast by following or subscribing using your favorite podcasting app or finding it online at communityrunpod.com. While you're online, I invite you to please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a rating or review to help others notice how much you enjoy it. Friends, we have our first five-star review here in on the podcast. This one is from Breezy Trailhead, uh, and he says, Totally refreshing pod. This podcast is a must for anyone in the Virginia running scene. Andrew is a great dude and has an amazing talent for booking interesting local runners and sharing stories. Check this podcast out. Uh, thank you so much, Breezy Trailhead. I know that, that that's you, John. So I want to thank you so much for that uh, five-star review. And if you leave a review, I will read it right here in the intro of the next podcast. And so uh, please head on over, leave a five-star review, um, write a review, uh, and I will read it. Um, I also just invite you to share the podcast with your running community. We are all learning and growing on the run and beyond. Uh, If you'd like to support, uh, one last way to support the podcast, you can become a Running Rev patron uh, over at patreon.com slash runningrev. A monthly donation of any amount is so greatly appreciated and and helps to keep the podcasting going. Uh, Become a Patreon and you will get a shout out in each episode. Now, in this episode, I am having a conversation with Adam Ottstadt. So those of you who listened last week know uh, and listened to the conversation I had with Megan Scholes. Uh, Megan and Adam are uh, teammates uh, with the Colonial Roadrunners. Uh, they run, they both ran for Colonial Roadrunners at the USATF Cross Country Championships, as you will hear Adam and I talk about. You will hear Adam's journey as a master's level runner, what that means and what that looks like. Uh, his journey at the 2024 four USATF Cross Country National Championships, which were held right in Richmond, Virginia. Um, And so this is an exciting conversation that I have with him as we look at, you know, look at this competitive side of running, what it looks like to be competitive and and how community can kind of support that competition. Um, And so let's dive into this conversation. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Back here with another episode of Run, Build, Grow. Uh, today, my guest is uh, local legend, uh, Adam Ottstadt. Adam is uh, joining us from the peninsula. So, Adam, how are you doing today? Great, Andrew. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, for those of you who are listening, you know, in the last podcast, we had on Megan Scholes, who uh, is up on the peninsula as well, does running with Peninsula Track Club, Colonial Roadrunners. You heard us talk a bit about cross country and about the uh, USATF cross country championships that were a couple of weeks ago now. Um, and as soon as we started talking about that, I knew I had to get Adam on because uh, Adam is a just freak of nature when it comes to running. He's one of the fastest runners in the Hampton Roads area. Uh, but he also competed just like Megan did at the cross country championships um, and did fairly well, I might add, in the master's division. Um, but before we kind of jump into that journey, Adam, I want to start out like I start out every episode. Uh, what is your running community? And then also what makes your running community awesome? I've transitioned this from the best. Uh, what makes your running community awesome? 
Well, my running community is Williamsburg, James City County, um, more specifically the Colonial Roadrunners for myself. Um, but I also work in the Williamsburg, James City County School Division, and uh, I consider the students in the school division as well part of the community that I help uh, and I help build. So uh, I'm, I'm a proud member of the Colonial Roadrunners, and um, I race as a master's athlete there. I race their Grand Prix circuit every year. And, uh, you know, I also embrace the Hampton Roads and the Richmond area running communities as well when I can make it, you know, down and, and up to those areas. So for those of our listeners who might not be familiar, um, let's can you offer a little background of what a master's athlete is? I know a lot of us who are in it, we kind of recognize it. So give us just a little rundown of what a master's athlete is. Sure. So very simply, a master's athlete is an athlete who is 40 years of age or older. And so when I turned 40 uh, two years ago, I all of a sudden became a master's athlete, which was very exciting. So before that, you pretty much just have to race in open um, the open wave. And then once you turn 40, you do have certain opportunities that present themselves where you can only race people that are 40 years of age and older. So it kind of offers this opportunity to, to for some of the older crowd, I guess we could say 40 is not necessarily that old. And I think even when we look at the state of running in general today, some of these master athletes are doing just as well, if not better, than some of the open contending athletes. Um, but Masters, it, it offers this other opportunity for you to keep um, compete against people who are a little bit more within your age bracket, uh, the 40 and above. And even within that, you know, they they we always a lot of folks break it down for age groups in that too. So what's it been like for you? Obviously, someone who is competing before they were a math, Masters level athlete at sort of the upper end of the local running community, of the Hampton Roads running community, even more broadly, to being a master's athlete and competing in sort of this new um, uh, competitive area. Sure. Well, so for those listeners who don't know, um, I've been competing in endurance sports really since high school, but uh, I was a competitive athlete at the College of William & Mary in track and field and cross country. And then I got very serious into multi-sport. I did triathlon for about 15 years and I raced professionally for seven of those years. And in 2019, when I stopped racing um, seriously in triathlon, I kind of had an itch to get back into running. And at the time I was 38 and I was still in the open wave and I was older. I had a family, I had a full-time job, I had commitments. And so of course, all of those different strings were pulling on me as well as mm, uh, the need or the, the desire to train. Um, but of course I, I couldn't do what I did when I was, you know, 25 years old or even, in, you know, in college. And so I was a bit lost. I wasn't quite sure where to find myself in terms of the, the competitive landscape and I spent a couple years just kind of floating around doing races. And then when I turned 40, all of a sudden this, this opportunity, uh, this window of opportunity opened up to me and, I, you know, um, just my identity changed. I had a lot more to race for. There were national championships that I could compete in with just masters athletes. 
And so that really got me excited again. Um, in some of the bigger races in the area, they've got separate prize money for master's athletes. They've got records for master's athletes. And so that mm -hmm. really rekindled my, like the, the spark of, of passion for me to like really get going and training hard and finding the time to wake up at 5.00 AM and get the, get the, um, get the work done. And so that, that's kind of where I was and, and that's kind of where I still am now. Um, I'm just super motivated to do the best I can post 40. Um, I just kind of drew a line right there. And, um, if I can perform better than I did before 40, that's icing on the cake, but I kind of like started a, a new athletic life once I turned into a master's athlete. Yeah. And here on run, build, grow, we're, we're really intentional about focusing on this communal side of running as well. And so in this sort of rekindling, uh, for the past number of years now, since you turned, since you turned 37 and kind of got back into competitive running since you turned 40 and really kind of dove all in on the masters, uh, what role has the colonial Roadrunners uh, as a, as a road running club, as a community, what role has that played, uh, in this journey? Oh, it's been gigantic. So the Colony Roadrunners has a very robust Grand Prix. Um, I think they've got maybe 24 or 25 events annually, anywhere from 5Ks to half marathons. And they're all relatively close to the Williamsburg area. Very competitive. Um, a lot of Masters athletes that are nationally nationally ranked the age grade um, over 80%, which is mm -hmm. basically the the national performance level and just the opportunities to get into those races at a relatively low opportunity cost. There's not much travel involved for me. And that has been great. Of course, the Colonial Roadrunners has a ton of group runs, uh, a lot of other social opportunities as well for runners to take advantage of. And so really building those set social networks um, is very helpful as well. And um, I think that you know, Rick Platt, who's the president of the Colonial mm -hmm. Roadrunners and a lot of the board and a lot of the the longtime members, they do so much to support running in the Williamsburg area, the greater Williamsburg area, um, just make it easy for people like me to show up and to, to run well. And all a bunch of the courses are USATF certified, so you can get state records and, you know, they do a really nice job of keeping track of historical records in terms of course records and age group records. And all of those things are super motivating to me as well to, to essentially erase um, maybe not ghosts from the past because some of these people are still alive, yeah. but certainly, you know, individuals that may have set a 40 to 45, 40 to 44 record, you know, 20 years ago that may still be standing. That's something that um, gets me out of bed in the morning to see if I can try to try to beat that and for a lot of folks who have these sort of usatf clubs in their area you know down here where i am we have tidewater striders and we do a lot of stuff with colonial roadrunners you know between colonial roadrunners peninsula track club tidewater striders we also do you know super grand prix races to kind of like see who the best in in this area is and we do a lot of that stuff and I know a lot of our listeners probably they have those little local running communities, the little local run clubs that meet up at, you know, the park or, you know, in my case, the brewery or, you know, those little run meetup kind of things. But then you have like these USATF certified, you know, for lack of a better word, clubs that really operate on a larger scale to really bring this 
competitive nature into our our local run communities and what that looks like for us. And so, you know, you've been part of Colonial Roadrunners and have been able to kind of see what they have done here recently. And also to be a part of, you know, one of the reasons I invited you on this push for the USATF cross country championships between uh, I, I believe it was between you all and Richmond that kind of co-submitted and co-worked on a lot of the stuff for the USATF cross country championships at Pole Green Park in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and so for the last two years, uh, that championship has been held uh, in Richmond, Virginia, you know, both of our backyards. Uh, so what was it like for you? Um, were you a part of the process that brought that to Richmond or what was it like for you coming into that master's level running competition to see this national championship being hosted right in your backyard? Uh, well, first, no, I was I was not a part of the process of getting it to Richmond. I think that was primarily a gentleman named Steve Taylor, who, who mm -hmm. lives up in Richmond. He works with the University of Richmond. I think he did a lion's share of the work. I'm sure there were others as well. I was completely a beneficiary of the process, and um, I really just knew that the championships were going to be there for two years, and so I, I knew that that was an incredible opportunity to not only get prepared myself to run well um, while it was here so close, but to also mobilize a team um, with me to potentially uh, work on, you know, accomplishing some some performances as a team as well while it was so close um, i have no idea where where it will be next year it could be i mean the usatf track and field national championships is in sacramento this year and so i think it's very yeah. unlikely that i'll be going out there um so yeah to, to have it so close basically in our backyard mm. was an opportunity that i couldn't miss and so uh, i just had to take advantage of it the best i could well, and I want to focus on your personal accomplishments in that as well, but also the team accomplishments, because uh, looking on social media, looking on USATF, getting all my, you know, as a certified coach and a USATF member, I get all the emails and everything like that. And just seeing all the pictures of Colonial Roadrunners pretty much, you know, sweeping a lot of just the uh, community awards and the run club awards and stuff like that. Um, and you talked about being part of kind of that organizing, bringing the Colonial Roadrunners as a run club, as a team to that event. Um, so what did that preparation look like? You know, um, what sort of community work are you doing in trying to foster that love of running uh, within the Colonial Roadrunners and then to bring them to something that's like a, a national championship that could be a little um, intimidating for a lot of folks to be competing against, you know, the best of the best uh what was that what was that like for you you know what are some folks that kind of helped you along that journey um what did that look like sure well i'll start off by saying that the, the team title that we won last weekend or two weekends ago was by far the the most um proud moment that i had of the entire weekend i mean that that was my primary goal um a year ago in 2023 the first year that they had in richmond uh, we were able to put together a pretty solid 40 to 49 team and we ran well, but we did finish second to the greater Philadelphia track club who ran an incredible team race. And so at the end of that race, I had definitely had some unfinished business and, um, you know, basically from that day on, I knew I had one year to 
see if I could create a, a competitive team that could maybe take a, a run for the title. And so I started making connections. Of course, we've got a lot of guys in the Colonial Roadrunners mm -hmm. itself that are 40 mm -hmm. to 49 who are pretty competitive. Some of them were on that team last year. And so I just started um, connecting with them, talking with them, trying to see, trying to gauge their interest in terms of whether or not that they would be interested in competing. And um, initially I found a couple of guys right away who were just as passionate about it as I was. Uh, and so just we, we had a core group of about five guys, which included uh, myself, Forrest Braden, um, Scott Ickes, Matt Josie, and Trevor Cable. And so we basically would meet on weekends and do long runs. And every once in a while, we, we would hit a workout. And I very quickly realized that we were going to be pretty strong um, as a group of five. But as you know, even in cross country, you score five, but it helps to have a much deeper team. <laughs> um, yep. Not only in case somebody has a bad day or or gets sick or get gets injured, but also because those six through nine runners can can also displace um, runners from other teams as well and and help your team score. And so I started looking outside of kind of our small pocket in the colonial uh, road runners. I, I started looking towards um, other masters runners in the Hampton roads area. And so I was able to make connections with a guy named Jim Highsmith who lives down in Newport news. Um, mm -hmm. I made connections with Lee Lindsay who had lives in Richmond, but does a lot of the colonial road runners, grand prix events. And, um, and then I was able to make connections with R Will Christian who lives down in Norfolk, but, um, also for a good chunk of time would come up and race a lot of colonial roadrunner races. Um, and, and so I created a discord chat, um, channel. I, I don't know if you're familiar with discord. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like a video game app. Um, and it's basically yeah. like a message board on your phone, but it, it's just a really, um, common way for everybody to be in one place so that you're not sending out, you know, five or six different group messages and that your group message isn't, you know, 10 people long. Um, I also felt like it was important to, even though they wouldn't be able to race on our team, I brought in people that weren't our age just to build more community. So I talked with Dave Anderson, who's a vice president, uh, uh, vice president of the colonial Roadrunners. And then Rob Whitaker, who is 60 to 69, he's kind of the, mm -hmm. the de facto captain of, of the Colonia Roadrunner 60 to 69 team. And then I talked with guys like Sean Bush and Eric Stoderman, who are much younger. Um, but I got them involved. I got them attending some of these long runs and workouts. And so we, we currently have a group of maybe about, I don't know, 15 to 16 guys that are super motivated to improve in their own areas. But, um, you know, I just feel like the more people you can get on board, the the stronger everybody is going to be. And, and I think our 40 to 49 team really benefited from that um, throughout the entire year. And so this wasn't something that you just kind of cooked up last minute is like, hey, let's let's uh, let's try and get this award here. Um, you know, I mean, no, I know y'all I, I was planning in... this for like an entire year and maybe that was just me. Um, the, I'm maybe I'm like the mastermind behind it. Maybe the other eight guys on the 40 to 49 team weren't like that, but certainly this was my plan from a long ways out. So it was a very satisfying to see it come to fruition at the championships and to, to have all the, 
the hard work, not necessarily all of my hard work, but all the hard work of the guys come together on the day and, uh, you know, we, we can celebrate in, in that accomplishment. And even beyond that, I mean, Colonial Roadrunners brought out just a ton of runners, both in 23 and 24, coming to support, not even just a, a not even in a competitive light necessarily all the time, but even just in a, you know, show up and support the community. Um, it's not often that, you know, Richmond gets to host these kinds of events or even Virginia gets to host these kinds of events. You know, you never know how often these kinds of things are going to come about. And so when you have the opportunity, and so it was really cool to see that whole camaraderie of the whole crew of Colonial Roadrunners, men, women, open, masters, you know, you guys really brought a huge team. And you talk about, you know, finishing second in 2023 in the team champs and then coming back as team champs in 2024. Um, but you also, you know, had a little chip on your shoulder in the Masters uh, in the Masters race. The AK, right? Is the Masters distance? Yeah, AK. Mm -hmm. In the Masters AK, uh, where you came in second and you were trying to, to better that. Um, and it seems like you recruited yourself out of a victory. Uh, it would, it would seem. <laughs> well, I, it, it's fine for me. I've, I've got no, um, no hard feelings towards Forrest. He ran an incredible race and, and I, I know Forrest, we've raced together for a few years now and he's an incredible runner and, and I'm really honored to call him a teammate and a friend and a competitor. Um, we, did a lot of running together over the past year. We raced a bunch together. We we kind of go back and forth. I would say, I mean, I haven't I haven't done the X's and O's, but we probably split our races this past year um, in terms of who beat who. And he had a great day um, a couple weeks ago at the the national championships for sure. But we really helped each other out. We did a lot of workouts together. We traveled mm -hmm. up to the course about six weeks before the race and did a workout out on the course together. Um, so, you know, shoot, I, I think it was incredible and congrats, huge congrats to him to, to winning the national championship. You can't control who shows up to the race, to be honest. Um, by the numbers, I probably wasn't the the third fastest runner on the the entry form. Um, but there were a couple runners that for whatever reason just weren't there or didn't have great days. And so that's the way it, it shook out, um, on the day and, and that's fine. <laughs> but, um, for me just to be able to contribute to the team win was the most important thing. And then, um, for me personally to, to finish third and to finish and have them wrap an American flag around me and so on and so forth. I mean, that was, that was a really fun experience that I'll never forget. Um, but it, it was, it was really all for the team. And I will say, um, just to go back to the team a little bit, Tim Stewart, who is, uh, heavily involved with the colonial Roadrunners and also involved with USATF Virginia. He did a ton of work and I have to give him credit. I, I don't know, um, if, if people realize, so on the day of, of, of nationals, I think the high was maybe 29 or 30 degrees oh. and the winds were 30 mile per hour gusts. I mean, it was freezing cold. And so Tim Stewart and Dave Anderson went out there the morning of the race and set up this huge tent complex for the colonial Roadrunners and put heaters in it and put inflatable sofas in it. I mean, it was incredible. We definitely had the best setup out of any team there. And, um, they really, you know, took care of us. We felt like Kings when we were, we were there, we could get, get in there and escape the cold for a little bit. There was hot coffee and bagels. And I mean, it was, 
that the club really did support us. Um, and there were a lot of people from the team that weren't running or weren't racing for whatever reason and still came out just to cheer. So, um, just because people weren't there racing didn't mean that they didn't help support the efforts that those who were racing were making. Yeah. And, and even in your own, in your own sphere, I mean, you know, I, that, I agree. There's nothing to never anything to hang your head about. Cause I mean, you're still, it, it, you podiumed, you know, in a, in a national championship cross country style, but I love, you know, the focus of, you know, yeah, I mean, I did this, like I got third or, you know, the year before, I think you got second. Um, but then it's fourth. Okay. I couldn't remember. <laughs> so I, imp- I did improve one spot. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, but I love the, the focus on, on the team aspect. And so, um, as you're, I, I guess like, as like, what's going on in your mind as you're running the race, because it is an 8k. So it's only, you know, a 20, uh, five minute race, you know, for you, I think it was about, you know, probably a little less than that. Um, you know, as you're racing, are you focusing mentally more on your own position and where you are in the race Are you know, are you one of those folks? Cause you got really invested in the team score. You know, do you try and do the math of like where you think folks are going since this is a looped course and you can kind of see folks like, so what's going on in your mind during the race? Oh man, this probably isn't the answer you want to hear. Um, I, I to be honest, I, I didn't think of a whole lot during the race. Um, I, the race got so strung out so quickly, um, Forrest and, and the eventual second place finisher, Brian Flynn, the three of us, and that there was one other racer from Dojo racing, which I think is up in DC. We got out pretty hard and we kind of established a group of four almost right from the start. And right around 1K, I think it was pretty clear that the four of us were going to be potentially competing for the podium. And then just after 1K, Forrest kind of pressed a bit and and opened up a gap and the, the dojo guy fell off and Brian kind of went and in pursuit. And I also went in pursuit. I just didn't have, uh, I just didn't have the legs, um, on the day. And so I had a trouble covering the move, but so basically my race was run with those four guys for the first K and then try to stay as close to Brian Flynn as I could. And then as he got a little further away from me, it was just like, try to stay as close to him as I can. And maybe, you know, in the last lap, something will happen and I can, I can out kick him. But I mean, force was gone, you know, with the, you know, a lap and a half to go, I could barely even see him anymore. And, um, Brian was still there in touch, but then, you know, maybe with about a K to go, it became very clear that based on how I was feeling and based on, uh, how much time he had already put into me, you know, I wasn't coming back on him either. And I try not to look back in races. That's generally for those listening who may be new to running. That's a big no, no. Um, even if you feel like absolute garbage, you should never look back because that's a really clear sign to the people behind you that you're not feeling good. Um, and it gives them a little extra boost, but there were some opportunities on this course where there were some wide bends. I wouldn't say horseshoe bends, but definitely, um, turns where you could kind of take a peek and just get a gauge of how far, um, ahead of the, the, the people behind you, um, you were. And I mean, I had a huge, huge, huge gap. I mean, probably 35, 40 seconds over, um, over fourth place at that point. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say my last K was anything spectacular. Uh, you know, it was like, 
I could completely destroy myself and turn myself inside out for another five or six seconds, but it's not going to get me anything different in terms of my placing. So I'm just going to finish, you know, feeling strong and feeling confident. And and that's kind of what I did in the race. But in terms of the team, I had no idea how guys were doing. It's It's pretty hard to unless you've got, you know, a coach on the side, who's really keeping track of the team scores, it's hard to figure out, you know, exactly how we're doing there. And so I just trusted the guys to, to do the best they could. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they, they pulled through, um, but no, I had, I had really no idea other than obviously Forrest and I finishing first and third was a really, really good start to it. Yeah. And everybody else behind, you know, you just hope that they do their job as well. And so you cross the finish line, um, you know, you realize you finished third, um, you realize Forrest finishes first. Uh, what's what's your thought process going from there? You know, obviously there's joyful celebration. They wrap the American flag around you. You're you make the podium, you make all American. Um, I don't Does Masters have a world championship that y'all go to like the open one does. There is a world championship, but it's not, you know, you don't get like an invitation to go for free. Like the, the, the open does, you know, it's, uh, I I think pretty much any master's athlete that wants to go to the world championships, if they have enough money and and they can commit to the travel, I think they can go and race it. Um, I'm, I'm not doing that, but, um, that is certainly an opportunity. No, I mean, when I finished, it was just uh, like you said, you know, I was elated. I was super happy. I was glad to be done. Um, I was super happy for <laughs> Forrest. I was super happy for Brian. I mean, both of those guys are great competitors and and good friends. And I was glad to see that they had successful races as well. We got up on the, the little podium with the USATF backdrop and um, it was pretty fun. There were a ton of uh, media people there taking pictures of us and it kind of made you feel like a superstar for a little while there <laughs> um, as, as an old you know, uh, I don't want to say has been, but you know, an old racer, that was a really fun experience. Um, I didn't get interviewed by anybody. I know Forrest did for winning. Um, and so he was doing some interviews. I I think, uh, the biggest, you know, anxiety inducing part of it was we weren't sure about the team score and we weren't sure about the team Mm -hmm. score for quite a while. Actually. Um, I would say I still wasn't sure if we won the team title maybe close to an hour after the race, um, there were still some oh, yeah. question marks. And so, and, and for me, I mean, that was my primary goal. And so finishing and, and finishing on the podium was super fun, but, um, I didn't really celebrate until I knew our team had won. Yeah. And, and at that point, then I was like, yes, all right, this is amazing. Of course, by that point, it's like way past the time where you're feeling like that. And so it wasn't quite as, um, wasn't quite as much of a, a big, big, you know, jump up and down type celebration. Some of the guys had already left to go home to their families and things like that. So I've still got like a handful of first place team medals at my house because, you know, they, they didn't stick around to, um, <laughs> by the time they were handing them out. So I'll have to catch up with everybody at some point in time at, at races throughout the year and, and give them their medal. But, um, you know, that's, that's just the way it went. So. And I mean, again, like, it's in a podcast that kind of focuses on this communal spirit, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like I got you on, or I wanted to get you on here to talk, you know, a lot about your individual efforts uh, and, and to focus on colonial roadrunners as, as a club, as a a, a racing organization. But 
you know, to kind of hear that focus of, you know, we love, uh, you know, I, I love as much as the next guy to try and compete. And, you know, you were hanging in there for, for four five, six K trying to, trying to get, get after that as much as you could. Um, and then just to hear that, even once you crossed the finish line, I was like, all right, cool. Like I did this well, like I got third place, but you know, I can imagine you kind of moving back to the finish line and making sure all those other orange jerseys of Colonial Roadrunners are crossing the finish line. And then um, you're probably there like like most coaches were when they when we were doing high school cross country of sitting there with the uh, piece of scratch paper trying to jot down places and figure out who qualifies and doesn't qualify for points, try and figure out where that fifth runner is. Um, I remember watching NCAA cross country championships and just having like the timing platform and it just tells you how many points. I'm like, this is great. This is much less anxiety. Right. Um, and it's really yeah. nice now and, the way and, they do it because it's almost instantaneous. It wasn't even like that when I was racing college NCAAs. We had to wait around for a while before they figured it out. Now you see it like on the screen when you watch the race, which is really cool. But um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I finished, we we got our pictures taken and then immediately just turned around and, and you know, wanted to watch my teammates finish and, and watch them finish strong and congratulate them on, on good races too. Look, I, I've been running for a long time. Um, I went through a period of my life where basically competing in, in endurance sports, you know, triathlon specifically was a job for me. And, and it was a, you know, when I went mm -hmm. to races, it was, it was a business trip, um, and it was all about making money and supporting my family. It was a very serious business. It was a very cutthroat business and it was very much just on me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there right now. Um, I still want to run mm -hmm. fast. I still want to perform, but you know, it's, it's not, um, I, I want to see, I want to see my friends and my competitors also have good races and, you know, the best case scenario is I have a great race and everybody else has a great race and we all PR and I still win. That would be amazing. And that happens sometimes, <laughs> but, but there are other times where I still have a really good race and, you know, my competitors also have very good races and they beat me and you know what, that's okay too. You know, I'm not, uh, this is, this should be fun at the end of the day and, and it should be about becoming better on our own. And I think we can use people in our community. I think we can use community organizations. We can use kind of the group think mindset to, to, to impact our own personal improvement. Um, I mean, that's, that's just where I am right now. And, and I, I imagine that's probably where I'll be probably for the rest of my running career as I get older and, yeah, um, you know, I, and in, I mean, in the I hear, road yeah. runners, just to go along with that, I mean, one really clear example of that. Um, so we have an age graded award in the colonial Roadrunners, which is basically your top 10 races from the grand prix and you get an age grade score. So everybody gets an age grade score, whether you're eight years old or whether you're a hundred years old. And it's based basically on the world record for that age. Uh, and then whatever you ran is a percentage of that. And so, um, 90% is world-class level, 80% is national class level, 70% is like regional class level. And, you know, most of my races are in the mid eighties. I think I had a couple of races really in the high eighties, which was, they were my best races of the year for sure. Um, but I'm going to lose the age graded award this year to somebody who is, uh, who, who competed most of her races as a nine-year-old female in the colonial Roadrunners, runners. <laughs> and, and of course she was, you know, 
four or five minutes behind me in most of these five Ks. So I didn't actually race her, but she was scoring over 90% in all of these races and which is incredible. Um, and, and kudos, kudos to her. Her name is Isabella Strumke and, and she had a yep. great season. Um, but again, like just celebrating her accomplishments as a runner. And obviously she's got, uh, you know, a, a much larger, um, journey ahead of her in running as a nine year old, I think she's 10 now. Um, but then also celebrating those individuals who are age grading really high as 60 year olds and 70 year olds who I also am not racing head to head, but I can race them in this age graded competition. And, mm -hmm. um, comparatively we can see, okay, like we're performing about at the same level, even though we're minutes mm -hmm. and minutes apart from each other in absolute time. Yeah. I always, um, you know, uh, Thomas, puts age graded results out every so often for some of the races. I can't remember all of them. I normally just look at the races that I run and, and, and he's mm -hmm. got them up there. Um, so I assume that they do them for all of them. And, and you know, it's a really interesting thing to look at because it kind of takes a lot of those factors uh, that, you know, lead to that differentiation in time between a lot of people and then kind of evens it out and really kind of lets you know what kind of, you know, athlete you are when you're in that competitive environment and, you know, offers an opportunity for some of those folks who, you know, they may be in their 60s or 70s, but I mean, they're, they're, they're crushing it in their 60s and 70s. You know, how would they compete against somebody who's, say, like in their 30s or 40s? Um, and I think that that's a, a, an awesome opportunity. You know, I hear so many of these lessons from you where it seems like, you know, you learned a lot in that, you know, former triathlete, competitive triathlete phase of your life um, and where that's kind of, brought you now as you know you're maybe rediscovering the love for the run and getting out there and you know it's about times yes and i think that's probably the competitive side of you um but it's also about fun um and i think that there's a lot to be said for a lot of folks in our running communities who you know we recognize the the competitive part where you know we always want to do our best we want to be busting prs you know Sometimes we care about age group awards or we care about overall or master's awards. Um, but there's also a place where it's like, this is my journey, right? And, and, and even more so within my journey, I love to see other folks coming along and what does their journey mean for them? Um, and so what is it, you know, you're coming off the back of this 2024 team champs for the 40 to 49 year olds from Colonial Roadrunners, you know, as I mentioned, Colonial Roadrunners just had an absolutely insane amount of folks show up at cross-country championships in Richmond. Um, you know, I, I know some folks up there in Williamsburg that, that run with y'all. Um, I think I've done a couple of Super Grand Prix races at some point in time. At, at some point in time, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> so what would, what would be your hopes and dreams for Colonial Roadrunners as y'all continue to move forward? That's a great question. Well, I mean, we're certainly not done. Um, this is for me, this was, this was a great step forward in terms of our organization and, um, our, our performance as a team, you know, there are a lot of opportunities locally for the colonial roadrunners as a team to shine. One of those opportunities 
is one of the super grand prix events, the Elizabeth river run 10 K, which I know Thomas Hicks is the race director yep. for. It's a great, great race. And he sets it up so that the, the different clubs, the peninsula track club, the tidewater striders and the colonial Roadrunners have an age graded competition, which is really cool because it, it can bring literally anybody at any age at, um, with, with any gender, you know, they, they can all contribute to that age grade competition. So, you know, uh, just a humble brag, the colonial run runners won last year. And so we're back to defend our title. Um, and so the, yeah. the PTC and the Tidewater Striders, you can come ahead and, and bring your best and we, we will do our best to defend our title there. I think it's in June this year, the Elizabeth river run. It is. Um, and so that, that's another great team opportunity for us. But I think as an organization, we're doing a lot of work. Um, we've done a lot of work, especially lately um, with regards to team ethics, um, team sportsmanship, um, following kind of um, certain guidelines in terms of how we how we act, how we behave, things that we do in terms of clean sport. And so just trying to bring our club um, to a different level in that regard, really holding mm-hmm. our members to a higher standard when it comes to behavior, um, when it comes to, um, you know, if, if individuals are taking medications, you know, making sure that they are crossing their T's and dotting their I's and, and having some sort of code of conduct. Um, and so that's one piece of what we're trying to do with the organization. I think another piece is, bringing the organization kind of into the the 21st century in terms of a social media presence, getting more communication out there to a greater swath of members of the community, just trying to get people involved. Um, I think that's also very important. And then I think the other thing that, that I'm trying to work on kind of as a member of the Colonial Roadrunners, but also kind of as um, what I do as, as part of my job here in the Williamsburg James city County school division is to, um, increase the number of youth runners that we have in our community, Mm. um, and just growing the sport from all different angles. And so obviously trying to get the masters runners to, to be really excited about what they're doing and to be performing very well there, but then also working on the complete opposite side of things and getting kids excited about running as a sport and getting them involved with doing fun runs and five K's and just getting them, you know, volunteering with their parents who might be running and things like that. And so we are starting middle school cross country clubs in the, in our middle schools this spring with the intention of hopefully making it like a full fledged sport in the future. Um, and that would of course go along with our high school cross country and, and track teams and then we've got a lot of after-school challenge clubs that we work with, um, the School Health Initiative Program and the Williamsburg Health Foundation. And we've got running clubs for third, fourth, and fifth graders. And their big goal is to finish a 5K at the end of like an eight-week club. And so they do the Run the Dog 5K in the spring, and they do the Sleigh Bell 5K in the in the winter. And I think, I don't know, have the exact number, but I want to say close to about 250 to 300 kids did the 5k this past December at the sleigh bill. So, I mean, that's, we're definitely moving the needle in terms of getting kids involved and getting families involved with running. And, you know, 
whether or not they join the Colonial Roadrunners, that's that's neither here nor there. But if they're involved with running and they're passionate about running, that's the most important thing about being active and learning those lessons that we all learn when we're running. Um, that's that's ultimately where we want to go. And if increased membership in the Colonial Roadrunners is a byproduct of that, then that'd be great too. Man, that's uh, and and to continue to see a lot of that growth and to continue to see it, you know move forth you know i know i coached some some youth runners here in hampton roads uh with tidewater striders and stuff like that and so i love to see that sort of growth happening in communities that you know the things that we experienced when we were in you know middle school high school even for those who ran in college just to be able to offer that to some of the kids that are coming through and coming up and uh have them foster that love for running uh, i love to hear you know continuing to to bring the sport forward um so, but before uh, before we wrap up here, I, I have a few final questions that I like to ask my podcast guests before I let them go. Uh, okay. So here we go. So, what is your favorite race distance? Ooh, my favorite race distance. I I think I'll probably have to go with the five k. Okay, all right. That back Short on the street. shorter end of the spectrum. Yeah, we yeah. Out, I we, might change my out. mind in a few years, but for right now, it's definitely the <laughs> 5K. I spent a lot of time doing long races for about a decade of my life, and and I would say if you had asked me that question six or seven years ago, I would have given you a different answer. But for right now, um, you know that that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, the 5K. Awesome. So, what is your favorite race to run? Um, I, that is, that is a very easy answer. My favorite race is the weighted angels 5k. And so that's okay. a Colonial Roadrunners, um, Grand Prix event. It takes place in October and it's, it's in Williamsburg. It's right by the Jamestown settlement. Um, the reason it's my favorite race is because it's actually, my sister is the race director and it, not only is it a super competitive 5k, I think we had, over over 10 guys break 16 minutes in the 5k last year um i think i think we had one guy under 15 minutes so a super super fast competitive field but um more so my my late nephew who um unfortunately passed away um before he was born but weighted angels is an organization that was born out of that incident and so it provides weighted stuffed animals to bereaved parents who have stillborn um or, or infant loss. And so it just, it's a fundraiser for that organization and, and it just, uh, means a lot to me. So that just from, from start to finish, from the competitive side of things to the, the cause that it supports to my family's involvement with it, that's my favorite race. Yeah. Nice. Love, love those little local ones that really give to great causes. They're always great to see. Uh, what is your favorite pre-race meal? Uh, I'm a pretty, I'm, I guess I'm pretty boring there. I, lately I've been eating two packets of brown sugar and cinnamon instant oatmeal and a banana and some coffee. Um, that that's pretty standard. If it's a longer race, like if I'm doing a half marathon or a marathon, I might, I might have some additional, you know, calories and some fluids or something along with that. But that's, that's pretty standard. Um, I went through a phase a while ago where pop tarts was was it i would okay. eat like two frosted <laughs> strawberry pop tarts um and and i still like that from time to time but i try not to get too hung up on doing the same thing every single day but lately it's been brown sugar and cinnamon oatmeal 
Nice. And then lastly, what is your go-to running shoe? Um, for training? Yeah. Or racing? Oh, okay. On um, training, I've been a big fan of the the gel nimbus, the ASICS gel nimbus. Okay. Um, it just has worked for me. I've probably worn it for the past four or five years. I just keep getting the new models. So um I love that shoe, super cushiony. It's got a little support. Um in terms of racing, I kind of rotate through some flats. I mean, I, I wear the Vaporfly Next Percent. Um, I also like the Asics Metaspeed Sky. Those are probably two, my two favorites right now. Um, I've tried some of the other super shoes. They're okay too, but uh, those are my two favorites. <laughs> awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'll uh, link to Colonial Roadrunners in the, in the show notes so that people can check y'all out. And, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you don't know what your local cross country, uh, what your local run club is, uh, USATF has a great resource for you to be able to look it up. So uh, I'll drop the link for that there as well, because these are just awesome places uh, where you can, you know, like Adam said, it's not just the competitive folks, but but it's a place where you can have a lot of fun and really learn a lot about your local community and come together in a lot of these places uh, and enjoy yourselves on the run. So, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Let me stop the recording. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And remember, make every mile count.